another episode, mi gente. So we are very, very excited to come to you today. I am Veronica Perez, your host this lovely evening and also the patron saint of enthusiasm. Joining me today is going to be Ricardo Mexicano, which, I mean, if you if you had to, Ricardo, who would mm-hmm. you be the patron saint of? The patron saint of... Because I already had one for you. I just want to know what you'd like label yourself as. Oh, uh, probably like the patron saint of, of maybe hot sauce. If not, <laughs> but if not, if not hot sauce, maybe like just drip, you know, in general. You know, yeah, just having a lot yeah. of drip, so yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to label you the patron saint of useless knowledge because you you do have a lot of that going on in the noggin. So I, sure. I mean, yeah, but useless knowledge, like useless knowledge is kind of part of my trademark, so it's not really like I'm like a saint about it. I just, you know, I, I just be about it kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I feel you, I feel you. How, wait, but I did want to go ahead and ask you, how are you doing? Because we did go ahead, we were talking earlier, and we decided that today or this year you considered this your first real Halloween is that right or just because you never celebrated it in general I mean I don't really consider this my first real Halloween either because I'm not really going to do anything outside of like you're dressing up though I'm I'm dressing up but I'm taking like pictures in it and like and a big reason I I can't technically can't do anything like Halloween related because uh, mm-hmm. me, me being in the military, we have like more stricter guidelines of what we can and cannot do. Because so of yeah, because of COVID. So there's a like going out and doing stuff like that is like a big no, no. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty much been reduced to just, you know, eating candy at home and dressing up like a Nintendo character. <laughs> Hey, hey, sometimes that's the best way to spend the night, broski. But I feel you, I feel you. I'm I am just like appalled that so tell me again the reason why you didn't celebrate Halloween growing up. I mean, it's pretty I think it's pretty common, more so than we like to think, is that, you know, I grew up in a super super religious household. Mm. And when you grow up in that type of household, like Halloween is like, you know, a big no no. It's it's the devil's night. It's it's demons coming out and, you know, twerking. Like it's uh is is every uh over exaggerated excuse that your mom or dad will make to to say that you you know you can't be celebrating that holiday. And um it it just became one of those things where I just didn't really care after a while. You know, you, there will be some nights and well it'd be some like Halloweens where I would be kinda bummed out because I would know a lot of people who'd be you know, going out to candy. Do, yeah, I mean not just candy, but like just going out and just hanging out and they'll be dressing up and doing certain things, but I mean, like I said, you can't really miss something you never had. So it just kind of eventually became that for me. And uh, the way I was able to like, I was, I would say more or less cope with it is that I just got really into uh, horror movies and just like just supernatural stuff and just, you know, just, you know, trying to scare myself with a kid. Oh, bro. But you don't understand, like, I just had an epiphany right now. Like, you right now, you are very comparable to, like, a Catholic schoolgirl in the sense of, okay, in the sense of, you know, like, whenever they're sent to that really religious upbringing and they're not allowed, they're, like, supposed to practice, like, chastity and different things like that. And then, you know, the stereotype that Catholic schoolgirls end up having is that, you know, they end up, like, you know, being very promiscuous, etc. This yeah. explains your obsession with candy, bro. Like, think about it. Like, you're, like, overcompensated um, for all the years. You could never, like, eat all the Twizzlers until you made yourself sick. No, I still ate a lot of candy regardless. I still be eating a lot of candy that makes me take, you know, explosive diarrhea and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, 
no, nah, see, that's the thing. It's so complicated. It's not because it's not that simple. It's not just like a rebellious thing. Because I was never rebellious about it. Like I said, there were a, there were a couple of Halloweens where I wish I could go out, but it was never like a a full force kind of thing where I was just like, I need to do this. You know, it was never that for me. Uh, like I said, you can't miss something you never had. So I kind of just got enthralled into you know the the history. You know, I'm a big history nerd, so I would like watch videos about the history of Halloween. I would watch you know old silent movies and like about um you know horror movies from like universal you know the frankenstein the the dracula wolfman the no, classics no, no, no. I, I, I i have the uh i remember when I, when I was like my at my peak of like horror movies um like enthusiasts uh, i bought the spanish version of uh dracula from the 30s because back then there was no subtitles there was no uh dubbing of the voice <laughs> so so it's crazy so back then there was no dubbing of the voice right so you had to have a complete different crew entirely different crew a spanish crew well, did dracula have an accent that was not from transylvania but from like the barrio no, no well the, the, i think these actors were from spain most of them they were from spain oh, okay. Mexico. so it, it's, it's all in spanish that's what i'm saying it's not in english it's completely in spanish the whole thing and uh, it can it can be debated that the Spanish version of the 1932 Dracula, the one without Bela Lugosi, uh, people say that that's like the better film because of like the acting and the quality and stuff like that. It's actually a better, mo- w- well-made movie than the original 1932. The 1932 one is, is immaculate. You know, you can't beat it. You know, uh, you know, Bela Lugosi as Dracula is like iconic. It's like probably one of the most iconic figures in uh, movies in general. You know, when you see his face, you think of you know Dracula, but yeah. That movie, I, I bought it off eBay, <laughs> the VHS copy, when I was, like, in high school, I think. And I, I know I started somewhere. And it's, uh, I always like looking at the cases. And, yeah, so that's where my uh, my love for horror movies come and kind of, like, why it went in that direction instead of, like, me being rebellious because I couldn't go out and stuff like that. I don't know. Like I said, I was – Halloween is, is here. It's not – it doesn't make or break me. It just – it just is what it is. See, but like with me, I was never able to get into horror movies until I got like way, way older. And to this day, I really do kind of, I don't know if maybe I'm oblivious to them, but I always wish that there were more uh, horror movies in regards to like, you know, the stories and stuff that we used to hear growing up, you know, um, because uh, because of the different legends and stuff that we used to hear, you know, just like uh, my tia Mari, that w- my tia, she was always the one that would sit around and tell us like really creepy stories and stuff. But I remember as a kid in general, one of my deepest fears when it came to this time of year were dolls. Like I had a severe thing. It, it like rag dolls were one thing. I could handle, like, if you had yarn hair or whatever and your skin was fabric, fine. But there was something I could not fucking deal with Barbies. I could not deal with anything with plastic skin or even porcelain. I once, I remember when I was in a, a first grade, actually, um, this, uh, I used, I got so freaking scared that I asked my first grade teacher to send me to the school counselor thinking that she would you know, magically cure me about this thing of dolls. Um, And I was scared because when I was very, very little, my primos, they told me that the bully on the bus that we rode to school with told them that they had a doll at their house that when whenever I spent the night over there, it would come to life and it would try to bury my aunt. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so I was petrified. And so when I told the school counselor that, she just looked me in the face and said, Veronica, you have to understand that dolls are not real and dolls don't come to life. And when you say that to a seven-year-old, it's like, okay, bitch, like, I know what logically, like, you're supposed to cure my fear. And she right. never did. so to this day, I'm still, like, I still get, like, semi, like, nervous inside eye whenever there's a plastic doll in the room. Like, I just don't fuck with them. Okay, so, yeah. So that's where you and me are, like, completely on the same wavelength. Speaking mm-hmm. of, uh, and speaking of our, our very first topic, what used to scare us as kids, yes, I was also one of those kids who was terrified of dolls of just any like plastic looking doll porcelain whatever it is if it looked like a doll and it looked like it was in the face i was terrified um and it all started with you know was was with um what i think is is uh a lot of kids first feel when being introduced to like the scary dolls you know with chucky i remember seeing chucky oh, for the first no, 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 see, no. seeing chucky for the first time when i was a kid it left me like in a state of shock like, I remember seeing it for the first time, and I still remember to this day, I remember walking in my living room, turning to the TV, and it was the Spanish version, too. That's a thing. Like, the Spanish version of Chucky on Telemundo, when you hear, like, the... It's so much worse, because his yeah, yeah. voice is, like, yeah, so you, more menacing. The voice is, like, so menacing and, like, so screechy, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing it, and you completely just bursting in the teal, and, like, and, like, hiding in, like, the corner of, like, the kitchen... Yeah. Like, like the little dining room and just like just like unable to move because I was so scared and then I think I eventually just like went to sleep for like a couple hours to like try to like block it from my mind and that I mean that fear went on for a while like that one lasted like a good good uh, probably from like the ages of like five to like maybe 11 or 12 <laughs> I was like low-key scared of Chucky and I like, just yeah. dolls in general and then like um like any type of like doll movies like the puppet master Mm-hmm. Um, what's some other good uh doll movies? Uh, oh, like Slappy from Goosebumps, like anything like that. Yeah, I, I, I was just petrified. I, 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 like as soon as I see it, like on the corner of my eye, I'm like, nope, nope. Did you ever nope, watch nope. the, the the Annabelle movie that came out a few years ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and but that's the thing, like this is ch- Chucky and all that is like that was childhood. I, I I've been I've been I've been past yeah. that. I've been past that. I could watch any type of those movies and I'd be fine because it's so no, funny. I, still can't, I, I, I still can't fuck with it though. Like I've seen, like going back and I've, I saw Chucky uh, again a couple of years ago and yeah, like now it's almost something to laugh at because he's not as scary. Uh, for me, it's just, uh, for me, it's just a real life plastic dolls. You know, like I don't like the idea of even, even freaking elf on the shelf. Like my sister, Oh my, like I don't understand children that are obsessed with Elf on the Shelf because of just the concept of those little things coming alive while you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. No. I, mem- I remember, um, there used to be so, yeah, like, so, like, so just to get back on the other uh point, right quick, yeah, I'm not really scared of like Chucky and all that anymore. Those movies are like really funny to me, movies like that, the Puppet Master series, Dead Silence, uh. Stuff like that, they're they're really cool. I think they're fun. Some of them are really entertaining, and some of them are just funny. Um, especially some of the later child play movies, like with, with the Bride of Chucky and all that, they're really funny. Um, but yes, I would say to this day, probably if I see like a creepy looking dog, probably be kind of like on the edge just because of how creepy it looks. I don't think I would be scared, but I do remember my mom having like dolls when I was growing up, and that used to just mm-hmm. destroy me because they would be like, they would be on the sometimes they'll be like in the living room, right? And I would just be, and like sometimes, like in the little dining room we have, 
um, if she would have put them in a particular space in like a particular part of the living room, I could like see it. And you know, like when you're when you start staring at something for so long, your mo- your mind starts playing tricks on you, and it looks like it's like actually moving. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. That, that would happen to me a lot. I would just be staring at it, just just wanting it to move. And then, like, eventually I would, like, trick myself because, you know, the mind is so powerful that when you look at something you want something to happen, it can, like, eventually happen. You know, you start kind of, like, not hallucinating, but you just, I don't know, you're just able to kind of, like, just picture something moving. So, like, I would, like, see, like, the the hand or, like, the little face move, and I'd be, like, and then I'll go, and then, like, then I, then I go up, then I go up to it and look at it and be like, it didn't move at all. And I'm like, crap, it's in my mind, it's in my head. I'm making it move on my own. Or does it want it to think that you're making it up in your head, Ricardo? No. Why? Mm-hmm. That never happened. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Did your mom ever threaten you with the cuckoo? Like that's something my tias would do to me all the time when we, when they would be having trouble putting us to bed. Nah, nah. You gotta remember, my mom's super religious. She doesn't do stuff like that. She don't play with stuff like that. No, not at nope. all. Nope. So where did you get like, where did you get your fill of like Latin legends? I just uh school um uh, school uh just uh browsing on the internet when i was able to get on it mm-hmm. um yeah stuff like that i remember there was this really cool thing that um i don't know how many people know about this i feel like it's more common than i think it is but there was this radio station that used to play it was like a hispanic radio station and i don't know where it was broadcast out of i don't know if it was from the states or from mexico but we used to get it like in the tyler area right and all they would do, like, at a certain time of the night, all they would do was just tell, like, these, like, stories, like, these, like, horror stories, like, either urban legends or, like, crime stories, but, like, with, like, a really spooky twist on them. Mm-hmm. And when I found out about that, that thing used to, like, keep me up at night. Like, I remember I used to listen to them, and they would be, like, the, the narrator would be speaking Spanish the whole time, and it'd be, like, the creepiest story. Then, like, but he would make it sound... That's really dope, though. It, 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 it would, he, would make it, he would make it sound so believable. And then, like... I found out about a, a couple other kids in like elementary school who like uh who knew about it too, and I'd be like, oh crap, y'all know about that? And like we would just talk about it and just be so so creeped out and like convincing each other that everything on there was like real. When looking back at it now, a lot of those a lot of those stories were just made up. So um that was like a really cool uh time because I feel like stuff like that doesn't really exist anymore. Where you kind of like hear stories over like radio, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Uh, I think, again, I think, I wish that I lived in an era where, like, as a pastime, my friends or my family, we would sit around and we would tell stories. The only person that would ever do that would be my, like I said, it would be my tia. She would sit us down and she would start telling us about La Llorona and El Cucuy and, you know, the origins and different things like that. Um, the only one that I really remember a lot of is La, is La Llorona. Um, and I don't know, it's just like, it, I never really took him really seriously, not, no, nowhere near as seriously as I took uh, the whole doll thing growing up. But I do remember being petrified that there was like something under my bed. And that's basically what I would label, what we would label as uh, the Kukui. Because basically, I mean, it's the equivalent of the boogeyman for us. Yeah, so are we going to get into that? Are we going to get into the, the the Hispanic urban legends? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead. Okay. Oh, you know what's... what's re- okay, kind of like... And this is kind of like, I guess, part of Hispanic urban legends, but it was more like uh, fear, like childhood fear and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you ever watch the Duende videos on YouTube? The Duende videos? Yes. No. 
Yo, if you want to be freaked out, I think nowadays, I think they've been debunked and a lot of them are fake. But when they were first coming out, so you know what a duende is? No. A duende is like a gnome. Oh, yes, I do know what that is because I'm reading Harry Potter in Spanish right yeah. now. I remember them using that word. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, have you ever seen the uh, the videos, like the famous video that like, were posted on YouTube in like, let's say, 2000? Seven, two thousand eight. I think most of them were like out of all of them were like out of Latin America. Not, no, uh, wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about like the those like weird videos that you would sometimes see on like like Primer Impacto, like After Hours or stuff like that, where they would say, you know, oh, like this mysterious figure was like spotted and like such and such and such, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are like videos. I mean, you could, you could go on YouTube now and you can still find it to this day. Um. And it's like this very, very grainy, grainy video. It's like in the dark. It's very grainy. Mm-hmm. And you out of nowhere see like this very small person or what assumes to look like a person. And it's kind of like sliding. It's kind of yep. like it's, it's kind of like doing like the electric slide. And and like out of nowhere, it kind of like just like rushes like towards like the bushes. <laughs> and that was real creepy like it's hard to it's, you could kind of get a you could kind of get a basic idea of what i'm trying to describe and there's mm-hmm. this other one where these kids are playing like soccer indoors they're playing like in somebody's living room and then behind the tv set you see like this little bitty uh like so, super small when i say small like 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 a foot tall kind of thing and it just zoom zoom past and everybody like freaks out and I, you know watching those like as like uh i was like maybe what 13 14 watching those I think a lot of them are fake because you know when you watch something like that and you look the and you look at the little image in the video, it's kind of like real easy. Bro, like, I would hope a hundred percent of them are fake. What are you talking about? Some well, of them? Are fake. Well, no, well, I'm just saying because <laughs> when you think about it, they look like in the video what you imagine a, a, a gnome looks like. You know, he mm-hmm. has the little the little button up uh, cotton shirt, the the red pointy hat, uh, the white beard. You know, like it looks like what we have in our head. So when you th- when you think about it like that. You're like, yeah, okay, why would a gnome look like how we have painted it to, to look like in, like, mainstream media, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, if you look at it like that, that's, uh, that's like, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, probably most of them are fake, if not all. Um, <laughs> or maybe, or maybe they're just looking at something else and it just look like a gnome. Uh, you brought yeah. up, you brought up Primer Impacto, and, you know, one of the most iconic Primer Impacto segments ever to this day, you can find a video on YouTube as well is uh the one where they claim to see a witch in monterrey in mexico if you, ever, if you ever seen that that segment yo please watch it it is incredible they're playing like the x-file music over like footage of like this supposed witch flying through the air on a broom it is incredible yeah like, we should like for real for real though like we should figure out how to do show notes and stuff because like we gotta have links to this shit that is crazy yo, yo, I forgot all about that well, Whoever listening to this, just just YouTube, Primer Impacto, Bruja, and it's like the greatest six minutes of your life. <laughs> uh, and also YouTube, like, Duende videos, uh, and you'll, like, spend, like, an hour or two watching just, like, little supposed gnomes, like, you know, in Mexico and, like, Chile and Argentina and stuff like that. If you want to bring back all the tradition and trauma back to your uh, kids' lives, uh, go ahead and look those up. Please do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, just, uh, just bring back the the gem that is uh those videos because those, those things are iconic man in my in my eyes like especially the permanent factor one me and eric uh for people to know eric is like my best friend like me and eric used to watch that 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 bruja video so over and over and it's crazy because we both saw it when it initially aired on tv and that's how we knew about it because then we would just uh try to find it on youtube 
And uh, yeah, it's incredible video. It's an incredible, incredible video. I'm gonna show it to you after uh, after we get off of this. I'm gonna show it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shoot me the so, link, man. For yeah. sure, for sure. But uh, <laughs> to get back to the uh, the other uh, urban legends. So we got what? We got the Yorona. Mm-hmm. Got which uh, I think most people know about that story. You know, uh, a bride to be gets cheated on by her her fiance. She's so distressed that she kills uh, her. Her two children, her, right? She drowns two children, yeah, and now she's, like, lamenting. She's now, like, a, a spirit lamenting, trying to find other children to kill, stuff like that. Yeah, 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 Um, I tried to watch the movie that came out, like, last year. I couldn't make it, man. Here's it, the thing is it that was it wasn't because, okay, so I got really, really into wanting to find a really good Latin-based Hispanic horror movie um uh like a couple months back right so i started actually la llorona was one of the first uh was one of the first subjects that i like you know uh typed into the googles and uh what it came up were two different movies right so i think that the one that you're referring is uh the curse of la llorona and that one uh i mean i haven't seen it it says here that it came out april 2019 and then it does say that it looks uh pretty trash it's got like a 28 on rotten tomatoes yeah it um it it, it ties into the whole uh conjuring cinematic universe uh, it's mm-hmm. part of the cinematic universe of like the conjuring so like annabelle oh, and, okay. and, and all that it, it's part of that universe i made it like maybe a, a third through the movie and i was just like bro this is so boring and it's not scary and I just had to turn it off. I I, I want to finish it just to say that I watched it all, but man, it, it's a tough watch for me because like I, like I said, I'm a big horror fan, so when I see crappy horror, it just really leaves like a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just it, it just wasn't good. I'm pretty sure there there's like a good you know when I film out there, but that ain't that this one ain't it. That ain't it. Yeah. Ain't yeah. It. Um, I'm looking at this list right here, and they 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 mentioned La Siguapa. Have you ever heard of that? No, what is that? La Guapa. So apparently it's like a nymph-like like creature. Morning? It's a nymph-like creature supposedly live in the cave and, for- and forest of the Dominican Republic mountain region. And they communicate with a distinctive whale. Oh, so okay, okay. It's almost like a, like an elf, like a dark elf. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It, it, said, it, said, it said it has dark or blue skin with slanted black eyes, long uh, luscious hair, and uses, uh, that she used to cover her body. And backwards facing feet. Backwards mm. facing feet, bro. Yeah. Like I'll tell you what, if nothing else, we uh we Latinxes have a big imagination, broski. Like that stuff is wild. I love urban legends. Um, I just uh, you said it was Dominican Republic. Is that where it's yeah. From? yeah 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 yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I hadn't heard of that one. Uh, there's another one called El Sombre Sombrero. El Somberon. Uh, and, you know, just like the name, it says it's a Guatemalan myth where it's this person that wears like a big black hat that covers most of his face. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's very short and he carries a silver guitar to serenade women with long hair and big eyes. And he, he is said to be obsessed with braiding so much so that he braids the mane and tells the horses, mule than more. When nope. there are no when there are no animals around, he looks for young women who hair he can braid. Nope, nope. I tell you what, what? the sombrerón guy, he would not have survived the Me Too movement, bro. He so would have been he, he would have been canceled so fast. 
He wants he wants to give you some uh, trencitas. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, let me see what else they got. They got someone here that I've never heard of. Uh, El El Simbon, uh, the Whistler. It comes from Venezuela and Colombian myth. The story of a young spoiled boy who asked his father to get him some venison for dinner. While his father was away, the boy grew impatient and went looking for him. When he found him and saw him empty-handed, he killed him and then took his father and trail to his mother to cook. It sounds, oh. like, it sounds like Baruka Salt, uh, Baruka Salt's evil cousin. Oh, so it's like a father-son um, story. Daddy I just issues. like that, though. You rarely ever see... See, like, I think that you rarely ever see, at least in Hispanic culture, it's funny, you don't see, like... Um, the men being like the big scary thing most of the time. I take the kukui out of it, but most of the time it's like like scary women or welling women or people like la llorona or monsters. You know, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of these are uh, like the the sombrerón, and that's a guy apparently. And then the one I just mentioned, uh, that's a guy as well. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I think out of all of those that you mentioned, I think the one that would freak me out the most would probably be the braided hair guy because, like, I I need my physical space, bro. And if you're over here doing my hair without my consent, like, no, 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 no. It says, it also said in one account, if he, it said he found a beautiful woman with long hair and large eyes that he was mesmerized by. So we stood outside her balcony no? outside her balcony upon hearing his music she became enthralled by him so that's the thing he's staring at you with the music and once he does that he's got you so there's nothing really you could do i'm telling you i'm telling you that guy would totally not survive in 2020 that's all i'm saying not if he's over here staring at you with with, with a beautiful music there's nothing you could do at that point mm. it's kind of like it's kind of like slipping a roofie into your drink uh yeah exactly would yeah. not survive in 20 so so even supernatural beings can't escape the me too movement no no they cannot they cannot okay. uh let me see um uh okay gotcha 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 uh which one of these would actually freak you out the most because i know that you didn't have a lot of interaction you said because your mom sort of shielded you a little bit from yeah, like, like stuff like this i would have to like I don't think any of these stories that particularly, like, scares me. I mean, they have the Chupacabra on here, which everybody knows what that is. I would probably say, like, probably the Duendes are probably the ones that probably scare me the most. Mm-hmm. Just seeing those videos, like, the little gnomes, yeah, those, those are probably the ones that freak me out the most. Yeah. And actually, those remind me a lot of, uh, because being meeting back, though, I never knew whether to take it seriously or not. You know, because I knew that growing up, it was supposed to be a newscast, but it had, like, a lot of, like, sub-segments. You know, of not just like the duendes, but también like, um, and I, I guess this is this might be like a topic veering off, and I mean we can like come back to it another time. But I just remember, you know, seeing like segments where they would find like Jesus in their bowl of oatmeal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was kind of the, that was kind of the thing with like, but I mean, Bacto, like became like this cultural. I feel like one day, uh, hopefully somebody out there makes like a documentary on that on Batman Bacto because it's mm-hmm. such because it, there's some they do like legit journalism. You know, they'll talk about like current events. They'll talk about you know very serious issues going on like Latin America. They would do like complete like. And then, yeah, those sw- those th- yeah those switch to like you know. A woman who who cries blood, you know, yeah. out of nowhere. 
Yeah, or they'll talk about like a po- a porn star, you know, uh, com- uh, performing an exorcist on somebody. Like it'd be something crazy. Exactly. They would like mix and match it to be like, bro, bro. I really don't know whether I should believe you or whether to like think it's all a bunch of crock. But like, and I I think that's didn't they have like Walter Mercado on there too for a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, on there. He was on there for a couple, for for a lot for a long time actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, doing his uh his readings. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, he was on there for a long time. Yeah. But, yeah, man, like freaking Berman Park does amazing <laughs> because of like just all the story they tell and uh yeah, I mean that's kind of like the 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 consensus. I mean, Berman Park to me is like the perfect repetition of life. You got serious moments, but you also got back Ridiculous, uh, zany. Back, yeah, zaniness. Yeah. It perfectly represents what the world is. Mhm, mhm, for sure, for sure. Uh, another thing on the docket here that I uh, that I know that we wanted to touch on was uh, the Hispanic vote, because I know that you know we have the elections coming up, November third. Everybody, if you haven't voted already, you know uh, here's your chance. Um, uh, I think the last day for voter registration and well, um, Ricardo, you and I are from Texas, was uh, I think last week or so, right? I think it was on the 13th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was a bit yeah. ago. Yeah, it was on the 13th, I believe. Uh, well, I don't want to... God, I feel like that's kind of wrong. No, I think, it was, I think it was actually the first. I think it was on the first. Really? I feel like it was a couple of weeks ago, but I, anyway, like, regardless... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's too late to register, but um, I think you can still... Um, well, no, you can't do anything if you're not registered. But if you are registered... Uh, you know, please don't just sit around and wait. You know, if you're anxious to like vote, go out and vote. You know, find the early early uh polling places right now in your in your county. Yeah. I I already uh voted myself uh last Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I uh stood on a line. It was actually a really big, really big line. Yeah, I think I waited like maybe I waited like 40 minutes. Uh, but the line was moving pretty fast. Like if you would have looked at this line, you, you you would think to yourself that you'd be you'd be waiting for like the next two hours. But mm-hmm. uh, actually, you know, it moved all it moved along pretty well. And uh, I took when I actually finally got to like the little booth, I took like maybe mm, probably like ten minutes to do everything, like double check, make sure I did everything right, all that, and then you know submit the ballot, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I haven't voted yet, but I'm going to do so this week. So I have all that set up and going for me. Um, but I, I, I was curious about, like, just in general, when it comes to the Hispanic vote, like, people in your family, do they typically vote or do Never. they skip out? Really? Nobody, in my family, nobody outside of me has ever voted in my, in my immediate family. I'm talking about my parents. Well, my mom can't vote. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my dad is a resident, so he can't vote either because he's not a full citizen. Mm-hmm. And then none of my brothers have ever voted either. Actually, no, 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 no. What I'm saying, no, my no, Chitos voted because we went to the we went to the uh, the 2016 one together. Yeah, so me, me and How my because you're the oldest, Ch- right? Yeah, yeah. Chitos 25 now. Um, oh. me and him voted. Yeah, so him, him and me are the only one that ever voted. I don't know if he voted this year. I'm pretty sure he didn't. I would I wouldn't doubt if he if he if he voted. Or, or he's gonna vote. Um, but yeah, only me and him have been the only ones that ever voted uh, outside of my family. I don't know if my cousins. I, I want to say they they probably have my my cousins. Um, from my mom's side, I I, I want to say they probably voted before too, but I've never asked them. I don't know. I think it's just very interesting because. Do a lot of people in your family vote? Um, uh, uh, everyone in my immediate family votes. 
uh, like my mom is uh, is a very big advocate, like advocate for voting. You know, um, you know, like for uh, for better or for worse. You know, she's uh, she's always really big on that. So she makes sure to vote. Um, and uh, so does my uh, stepdad, and I, I think my brother votes most of the time, if not every time, to my knowledge. You know, she's he's in the army, so I'm sure like that stuff's important to him. I know that he voted in last election. Um, Outside of that, I'm not entirely sure. Like uh, my, like outside of my immediate family, like my grandmothers and my uh, aunts and uncles, we're all pretty close. So I do know that I don't think my grandparents vote. But it's it's interesting because I I do feel like it's part of the reason why there a lot a lot more Hispanics, at least to my knowledge, are voting now. Is because it's because it is being made a big deal and it is being promoted as a really, as you know, like as a duty that we have to, that we have to follow through on, which I think is very important because I say that now, but I can remember when I was younger and when I just turned eight, uh, 18 or even when I was 16 and stuff, and I would hear like the grownups have conversations and one, like, I just don't, they never really talked about voting. They never really talked about their beliefs or anything like that. And they just, they never prioritized, you know, like putting, putting, you know, their votes to a ballot. And um, I think that is representative to a lot of like what's happening within the Hispanic, com I mean, within all communities, but especially Hispanic communities, which is refreshing to see that we're all, you know, at least take, trying to take part in the system more, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of times it is because of uh, some people just don't have the uh, I think that's the the big thing, the Hispanic community, that a lot mm -hmm. of our parents, a lot of our uncles, aunts, cousins don't have the right <laughs> because yeah. they're not they're not uh, fully citizens. And even though they may they, they even though they may feel uh, a certain type of way, like my mom, for example, she she's always like pushed like, you know, to vote if you want to, you know, to vote, you know, do it. Uh, I feel like if she was like uh, able to, she would do it herself. Um, but I think it just comes down to just kind of like putting your money where your mouth is kind of thing, at least for me, because I'm, I'm very, uh, passionate about what I believe. And I just don't, I don't like politicians. I don't really like politics in general, but I just feel like, you know, I still have to do some, something, you know, even if I don't like the people I'm, I'm quote unquote voting for, you know, I feel like there's still some sort of uh, part of me that has to, you know, just can't sit around the sideline yeah, and watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Even though I, I dislike the whole system and the whole electoral colleges and just the the voting uh, process in our in our country in general, but I have to do at least something and not just watch. Uh, I want to bring up some uh some uh statistics right quick regarding this. So 2020 will be the first time Hispanic voters make up the largest ele uh, electorate uh, minority group. Oh, okay. oh, oh, that's awesome. You mean from like within the not electorate? Wait, what do you mean electorate uh, minority group? Just just in general, just in general, like people who could vote. It's the largest minority group Hispanics are. Oh, wow. Yeah, 2020 for the first time ever. It says... Uh, since 2010, non-Hispanic non-Hispanic whites people have lost their majority in 32 additional U.S. counties, according to census. So this is talking about non-Hispanic whites. Is so that's talking about just white of, people. Is this in general? Of, 
Uh, well, is this basis uh, is this based off of who registered to vote for this year? For more, more, well, more than likely, probably either either that, either either who's registered, who's actually registered, or who who can register. You know. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so it's probably it's probably that it's probably one one of the two. Oh, let's see. It says Texas and Nevada have become major uh, majority minority since 2000, as far as the uh, I guess the minority vote kind of thing. <laughs> um. Here's another thing I want to bring up is uh, the youngest Americans, millennials and Gen Z are set to exercise. Okay, not that. They okay. So millennials and Gen Z make up 37% of the uh, electorate. Uh, let's see. So that's pretty big. 37%. That's a lot between uh, combining millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, no, it really is. And you know what really impresses me about that is that I am seeing at least a. Uh, around, you know, the internet world and different things like that, that um, a lot of, like, Latina women are, like, gathering together, like, to make, like, really big sanctions of, like, Facebook groups and different, uh, in, like, uh, different, like, um, like, organizations in general where, you know, they're really pushing forward the vote and, you know, just, like, educating different people about it. So, I don't know. It's just I've never seen. I think it's just like an awesome thing for us to be able to like come together and like really see that, you know, numbers matter. You know, I know that especially now in this day and age, you know, like we can get so cynical with, you know, um, with the way that things are headed and like, will things ever get better and things like that. It's like if you have that sort of mentality, then it's going to stay the same. And that's why, you know, it's important that you do your part. Just like you said, you may not like the system here. You know, you may not agree with the way that things are set up but sometimes in order to change the game you got to learn how to play their game you know yeah uh, and, here's the, and here's the perfect example of that because it says in 2016 boomers and other older generations accounted for 42 percent of the votes right but mm -hmm. they casted 49 percent of the ballots so even though they only made up 43 percent of like all voters they were the ones that were voting overall the most out of all the other groups mm -hmm. so, yeah and that's why you know a lot of times you know, we talk about, oh, my vote doesn't matter. Well, like, it does. You know, you just gotta, you, you just gotta show up and, and, and you gotta uh, follow through. yeah, you gotta follow through with your, um, with yourself. It also says, let's see, for the first time, millennials will make up a smaller share of the electorate than they did in the last presidential election, even as the generous generation numbers continue to grow due to immigration. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So we're actually getting smaller now. Okay. I mean, and also I think that another thing that is just great if we keep in mind is the fact that, you know, sometimes I know that um, like certain sanctions of like Hispanics or Latinxes, you know, they're sort of um, they're sort of like hesitant to vote because they think that, you know, um, like what we believe in and like that this country isn't like set up for us and that isn't uh, is and doesn't like, you know, uh, look out for our best interests, et cetera, et cetera, which is completely true and completely valid concerns. But the thing is, is that, you know, in order to change any of that, you have to have the numbers and you have to go ahead and you have to put yourself out there. You don't necessarily have to have faith in the system in order to know that you've earned your way out or that you've earned your way, uh, you know, to change, to change where we're at right now. And, um, so regardless of, I think also the Hispanic vote is really interesting because when I think about it, a lot of like our Hispanic background is based off of, you know, like religious upbringing, right? 
So I know that sometimes I think about like how people vote in general and okay, so I think what I'm trying to get at is that when I think about the Hispanic vote, I think about uh, people that are brought up, you know, in religious upbringing and I think about Catholicism and I think about like abortion and different things like that. Uh And I think about a lot of times how that can conflict with other social like um, political issues that we might have concern with, like immigration and things like that, you know, because one is more traditionally, like at least socially liberal and the other one's more like more on the like social conservative side. So um, I think it's just very, I think it's very important in times like that to not get cynical about it and to know that it can be very easy to fall into echo chambers of sorts. but to know that it's okay for a subject to be very, very nuanced and to listen to all sides before you go out there and you cast your vote. Yeah, I think uh, the last point I want to make in regards to that is that um, I think one thing that I think Hispanics still have an advantage over as far as like a minority group as opposed to like other ones is uh, we're we haven't been tied down to a specific party yet. And mm-hmm. when I say and when I say that is that um, unfortunately like um black people have kind of been typecasted into the liberal the, 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 the yeah the democratic party and that mm-hmm. there's a they're the party for minorities and that they champion you know they're always going to look out for the people which to me is complete bullcrap because if you know the history yeah. of if you know the history of the democratic party they're just as bad as the republicans could be and yeah. and black and black people have kind of like been like i said typecasted into you know, oh, you have to support the Democratic Party. If you don't, you know, you're 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 this, you're this, you're this, you're that. You're not you're not looking out for black it's people. Not voting, yeah, for your people. Yeah. That sort right, of right. And I think Hispanics are still in a in a place where they are not uh, stuck or married to a particular party, and mm-hmm. they kind of have room to just make their decisions based on what they see fit. Uh, yeah. You know, whether whether I agree with you or not, at least we kind of have that advantage where we can kind of room yeah yeah you you have room to you know do what you want and i just hope that um that continues even like i said even if i disagree with what you who you're voting for who, what you believe in at least there's that uh that that stage of nuance and, and choice yeah no I, I agree i think that the thing is is that what scares me is that I do see a future uh, where, like, the Hispanic vote is typecasted. Um, uh, because between you and me, I do feel like we're having more and more prominence, at least, like, within um, media and different news outlets. Like, every day as time goes on, I feel like I've been seeing more, which is fantastic, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it's uh, I don't know. I'm starting to think about it in the sense of, like, the market, you know, like, if, if, People know that we are out here, just like you've always said, uh, always said, Ricardo, is that we've oh. always been capable of all these great things. We've always, always, always been here. And we've always been here being able to create all these wonderful things, et cetera, et cetera. But now people are starting to realize how much of a, how large chunk of a population that we actually represent in America. I mean, even like Latinas themselves, I think that I read somewhere where we make up like a up to a third of like the of I forget of like the economy when it comes to like certain like um I forget I, I'm not gonna bullcrap you and tell you that I know facts because I like, don't 
like certain like certain like industries yeah i think it was i think it was the beauty industry or something along those lines where we make up like a third of it but uh don't quote me on that jay like we'll, we'll fact check later maybe possibly so it's crazy it says the, the the hispanic community for just females in the united mm-hmm. states is 30 million mm-hmm. 30 million and i think and i yeah because i think the, the the whole hispanic community in the united states is uh 60 million yeah, exactly, exactly. And what I'm saying is that our numbers are starting to be known. And when our numbers start to be known, that's when people will start lobbying for us. And that's when people will start lobbying for our causes and this, that, and the other. So right now, while we have the ability to like have nuanced opinions and you know, like vote the way that we want to without having people basically, uh, without having politicians basically market themselves to us, we got to take advantage of it, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. It also said that uh, Hispanic females will make up 25% of the total U.S. female population by 2050. Hey, which is crazy. That's a, a quarter of the population will be of the female population will be uh, we'll Latina. Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. With all that, I think it's just moving towards like a like a very you know, multicultural society. I mean, and like I said, the United States have always been a very multicultural society, but I think it's just actually putting it out on front street and actually mm-hmm. making it like a, like a mainstay of, uh, of the culture is what we're moving to, toward now. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, no. Uh, so I think on that note, I think we'll go ahead and we'll move into our good looking out segment primarily because I have to, because it's staying on a political page of sorts. Uh, I watched Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix this week, and uh, I wanted to go ahead. I think I've been on this kick lately, too, about uh, watching, uh, like, true story-based, like, history films. I know that last week, what what was I talking about? I was talking about Mrs. America. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I love that to death. And this is very similar also in the fact that you know, it's uh, based off of a true story about a moment in history that I don't know about you, Ricardo, but I didn't know a lot about. And uh, just like uh, Mrs. America, I didn't know a lot about like what went on with the ERA and like Phyllis Schlafly. This is something that Charlie the Chicago 7 on Netflix. I didn't know about like uh, the protests in uh, basically what it is. It's um it's directed by Aaron Sorkin, and uh, it's a story about uh, seven people that were trying to get together, like, a, a huge protest to do at the DNC, and uh, more or less what ends up happening is that uh, a riot breaks loose, and so it sets up, uh, so it's basically, it's almost entirely set in a courtroom where they have to figure out who incited the riot. Was it the leaders of the protests or the cops themselves? And that's what the entire movie is about, basically a courtroom drama, more or less. But I thought it was really, really good. It was a really solid movie. Now, again, with Aaron Sorkin uh, directing it, um, you know, he's written he's written a lot of like great movies and things like that. The thing that always stands out to me the most is the fact that you know he uh, was part of the social network in the making of that movie, and that's one of like way up there for me so the fact that he t- the fact that he is part of this film uh, actually got me really excited because once I started watching it I could just like see like his trademark storytelling and just like his style like all over it um, but you have a lot of great actors in this movie in Corday, 
including uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Michael Keaton. Those are probably the three biggest ones. Um, and I, I, I mean, overall, the court, the courtroom drama is not necessarily something I always gear towards. But the reason that I loved it so much is because it wasn't linear storytelling. So it unlike most courtroom dramas where it goes ahead and it uh, opens up it um, you know to the scene of the events and then it leads you into the courtroom it starts off like in the courtroom and then it weaves in and out like what actually got them to be there at the trial in the first place and the reason why I love this so much is because this event this whole uh, this whole case about who incited the riot and uh, whether it was the police or the protesters is so timely to even now. And this happened in like 1968 or something like that. It was like in the late sixties. Yeah. And it just, it, it, it trips me out how so many of so much of the dialogue that they use then it can be so applicable to what we're going through now. And one thing that I can say that absolutely blew me away also, it was just Sasha Baron Cohen's performance. Uh, he played uh, the character Abby Hoffman, and he was hilarious. He was, you know, he's more than just the Borat guy, and that's how people tend to sort of, like, box him up. But, you know, he's he has a lot of very interesting opinions, and he has, and he has a lot of chops when it comes to his acting that really, really came out in this film. Um I think uh, one of uh, one of my favorite things about it is um, just the ending. Not because I necessarily loved it, but because it's so controversial. Um, a lot of people they thought that it was kind of um, from what I read. A lot of people thought that it was kind of watered down and cliche and things like that. I personally, when I watched it, I got chills. And I'm not gonna give it away or anything like that, but. Uh, overall, I just thought that it was very poignant of a lot of the things that we see today uh, when it comes to, you know, um, just the relationship with the police and how and how there's no straightforward answer, you know, and it's a lot more complicated than people like like for it to believe. And I'm trying really hard not to give spoilers um, because um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a historical film. I mean, if you I mean. It happened in the 60s. It's not like it's like a actual like made up plot. This stuff happened. Yeah. So let me tell you, so you like can, what I, happened as far as like that Judge Hoffman, bro, bro, that is literally the most infuriating representation of a judge that I've ever seen on television at all, ever. And it got me thinking. I was watching the movie, right? So Frank Langella, or I don't even know what how like how to say his last name, but Frank Langella plays uh, the judge who was, uh, you know, residing over this case or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there were moments where you, all you wanted to do was stay on the Wikipedia page on your phone the entire time because you're just like, did he actually fucking behave this way? Was he this abhorrent? Was he this? Because it's, it's, it's so dramatic. The Like, and so it, they, right. Anyway, basically, he was infuriating. The movie was good. Um, the acting was really, really solid. And I really liked the way that they paced the film as far as how they weave the story in and out. Um, but, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think that if you watched it, Ricardo, um, you would too. It just I think it's a wonderful piece about uh, 
just basically a piece of history that we don't know a whole lot about. So definitely, definitely catch it. Yeah, uh, I'm very familiar with. I, I'm not so familiar with the case. I've never really looked at the case, but I am familiar with the the events and the people. Obviously, I know uh, Abby Hoffman. Uh, uh, for 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 those who don't know, and I've kind of mentioned it a few times on the podcast already. I'm a pretty big history nerd, so mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to like the '60s and the Vietnam War, and usually, and I've seen so many documentaries on the Vietnam War, and and uh, inevitably, when you talk about the Vietnam War, you're going to talk about the protests. You're going to talk about the riots and stuff like that that happened. And, you know, you're going to inevitably bring up uh, Abby Hoffman and that whole situation that went down. So I'm familiar with that sense, but I've never really gotten into the actual case itself uh, Mm -hmm. of what went down. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how they present the case and all that. Because um, the 60s, you know, from what I've learned was just a, a, you know, a crazy time. I mean, especially the late 60s. I mean, uh, I think I think this case takes. place after uh robert uh robert f kennedy was assassinated right yeah 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 he'd been assassinated but he was yeah he had been assassinated i think in june by uh by sirhan sirhan Mm -hmm. and then um you know uh i mean the 60s was crazy because you know i mean woodstock wasn't that far away i think that happened like in 69 i mean the beatles were breaking up and that was like a huge event in music um the i mean the the hippie age was dying you know the summer of love was coming to an end uh you know uh the rolling stone concert happened where that uh that fan got killed by hell angel oh oh, yeah it was uh it was so many things that were happening that were just kind of like like it was like an eruption and we thought 2020 is bad (laughs) yeah it it was just uh it was like this this catalyst of like it was kind of like being like at yellowstone and like seeing Mm -hmm. these geysers and just not not knowing if but when it was eventually going to explode you know and tip over so yeah, I'm very interested to see the movie and you know how how they how they uh, display everything that went on. Uh, do they? I'm reading right here. Do they show uh, the young lords and like the Black Panther, like Fred Hampton and all that in the movie? So Fred Hampton does make an appearance. So yeah. they did a briefly because you know they even in the beginning of the movie they said you know well really actually it's the trial of the Chicago Eight. You know um, because of Bobby Seale. Uh, yeah. Who, yeah, who had to be called like a mistrial and everything because of all the stuff that went on. But they did touch on uh, Fred Hampton's assassination yeah. as well. So yeah, when he was killed by the by the Chicago PD and the mm-hmm. FBI. Mm-hmm. Don't don't ever forget that he was killed. Yeah. They try, they try to say that he was just you know he he was sick or something. I like, know no, he was yeah, murdered by the, he was it's, murdered by the FBI. It's not a conspiracy theory, you guys. It's basically facts. You know, yeah. we'll stand on that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna definitely check it out. Probably if not tomorrow, I'll definitely catch it. You know, uh, within the the following week. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you gotta let me know what you think, cause I know I I feel like you should have definitely covered that movie before I did, because I forgot that you were such a, a history buff regarding the '60s and stuff. Um, but I know that you've been really excited about Love Lovecraft Country, and like they had their finale recently, right? Yes, they did, and. On Twitter, I kind of made a, a comment on the official uh, Lovecraft Country hashtag where I pretty much asked uh, kind of like a rhetorical question, like anybody else feel that the that the season finale was kind of underwhelming? And I, I kind of got like some some likes, you know, so mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I, I knew I wasn't the only one. Um, but, yeah, that's where it kind of like it really and I wanna, I'm not going to spoil anything at all, but it really left me underwhelmed, like. All the previous episodes were so good. There's 10 episodes in total. 
And, you know, not all of them were, were like, you know, high watermarks. Uh, but the last few before the season finale were, like, really, really, were really, really up there. Especially the see, episode uh, nine, Jesus Christ, that one was incredible. But this one just felt really rushed. Uh, and I don't want to deter anybody from not watching the whole series. Please go ahead and watch it if you haven't finished it. But there was just a lot of events surrounding Atticus, which is uh, the main protagonist, and the events that he has to go through in order to make things right. And uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I think overall with a very rushed season finale, like there was a lot of things that were kind of, it kind they resolved like some of like the, uh, like the big mysteries that have been going on throughout the whole season, but it's kind of like, Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. Kind of, kind of feeling. If you, if yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Like, they didn't tie it together as uh, uh, it was anticlimactic, basically. So yeah, yeah, very anticlimactic, and there was like other characters in the in the show, like uh, like uh, D, who the um, Atticus is uh, cousin, and uh, he's she's a daughter of uh, his aunt and uh, Hippolyta. Um, but yeah, um, I I think there's another season. I think it's been picked up for another season. So hopefully this ending was kind of like a uh, like a little soft blow to to you know kind of like prepare you for the next season. I, I hope that's the case because yeah, this one really left me not a bad taste in my mouth, nothing like that. Like I say, it wasn't a terrible ending, but yeah, very anticlimactic. Well, I can't even say anticlimactic because it does kind of put a finish to what was happening throughout the season. But like I said before, yeah, I, I say very underwhelming. So. Yeah, catch it, catch it if you haven't finished it yet. But overall, it's a great series. If I had to rate the whole series as it is, I would give it a, I would give it a, I think if it wasn't for that season finale, I'd probably give it a nine. So oh, I'm gonna, wow. be, oh, that's, I'm still, a, that's still solid. Yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it an eight point seven. Eight point seven. Okay. Yeah, I say eight point seven. And also, I just want to throw in there some other recommendations. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about them. Just throw them out there real quick. Uh, I think I, th- I already talked about this on the previous podcast. Uh, Twin Peaks, if you haven't seen it, it's Halloween season and it's a very trippy show and there's a lot of horror elements too. So if you haven't, if you haven't seen that, please watch it. Uh, well, well, yeah, watch Twin Peaks. It's on Netflix. You can watch it on there. And then um, uh, if you ever seen, if you haven't seen Drive with uh, Ryan Gosling, it came out 2011. Mm-mm. It's a it's a neo noir film. And I wouldn't say so. it's not a horror film by any means, but the way some of some of the more violent scenes are in that movie, it's it's more of an action neo noir type of film. But the way some of the action scenes in there, the way they're portrayed are like very very gruesome and like just have like a very dark and sinister uh, take on it. So if you haven't seen Drive by and starring Ryan Gosling, please watch that. It's a very dark and unsettling. Uh, take on like the neo noir kind of like crime drama uh, genre. Coat? No, they, no, no, not that. It's, it's set in like <laughs> it's, it's set in modern time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's set, it's set in modern time. Um, but like I said, uh, it's one of those. Like I'm a big fan of neo noir, mm-hmm. and uh, like movies like that always like interest me. Like especially like the Blade Runners and stuff like that, and uh, like Sin City. Um, so that very dark, uh, uh, what's, what, what's another way? Shadowy, dark, but at the same time, 
um suaveness about it but violent too like uh, ultra violent it's just something very uh very very captivating in my opinion the way they're mm-hmm. able to, to blend all these elements together and still come out is very sinister so gotcha gotcha well that's awesome and um uh, i love that now we have like a whole array of like um you know like spooky or scary or halloween things because we only have like one more week left in the month of october uh, and I feel like I need to catch up on, like, my spooky things specifically. So I'll definitely be diving into, like, uh, Twin Peaks if you uh, dive into Charlie the Chicago 7 and let me know what you think. I mean, I could definitely do that. I mean, Twin Peaks is a little bit more of an undertaking because it's two seasons and yeah, the episode, yeah, yeah, and, the episode yeah. and each episode is, like, 45 minutes long. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, at the very least, hot. start it. So uh, I got you watch, there. Watch the pilot because okay. – the pilot, for those who don't know, have a it had like a very significant impact when it first aired in like 1990, and it was like the talk of the town, like like it was like the biggest thing on uh, as far as like TV was concerned back in 19. 19- mm-hmm. uh, so like to this day, that like remember when I watched the show earlier this year, yeah, that pilot it's like an hour or something long. It's almost it's pretty much a movie, um, but it's a, it's incredible because it pretty much sets up like the whole feel of what Twin Pixie is. So yeah, definitely watch the pilot, the very first yeah. episode. For sure, for sure. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, on that note, that about wraps it up for today, you guys. Uh, yep. we, got, uh, we got all of your Halloween picks out for you today, and uh, that's about it. We will catch you next week on the In Living Spanglish podcast. We out! <laughs>